Thank you for joining us for the Elevation Podcast, hosted by the Colorado PGA. My name is Holly Champion, and I'm the section's Education and Membership Director. As I'm sure you've seen, golf has made quite a few headlines in recent weeks, from the Netflix series Full Swing to the news surrounding the controversial Saudi-backed Live Tour and PGA Tour drama, our great game is gaining a lot of attention. So just how do the PGA of America and its PGA members fit into all of this? Joining this episode are two of the most knowledgeable resources in the industry, the current Vice President of the PGA of America, Don Ray, and the Regional Director for the Mountain and Midwest Regions, Keith Soriano. Both Don and Keith spend some time sharing their insight on the value of PGA membership and how PGA professionals can define themselves as the real MVPs in the golf industry. To learn more, please enjoy this episode of the Elevation Podcast. Well, Don Ray, Keith Soriano, thank you both so much for joining us for this episode of the Elevation Podcast focused on PGA membership value and identity. Um, Don, I'd just love to hear from you a little bit. Tell me about you know your affiliation with the PGA of America. And for those that don't know, what is the PGA of America? The greatest organization in the world, Holly, that's what it is. It's you know nearly 29,000 men and women who are out there getting millions to play the game of golf. I mean, and that's what you do. If you love golf and you love people, you'll be a PGA member because you're going to want to be part of the greatest and the largest sports organization in the world. And yes, I'm the vice president of the PGA right now. And the way the PGA governance works is once you get elected secretary, you serve a two-year term and then you automatically, unless you do something crazy, Holly, you're automatically vice president. And then two years later, you're the president. So I'll be, pre- I'll be the president of the PGA and I don't know, 14, 15 months, but right now, happy to be the vice president and awesome to be on the podcast today. Well, we appreciate you spending the time with us. I know that sounds like a pretty uh, time consuming position sometimes, but it's exciting to have you with us. Um, Keith, many of our Colorado PGA members are going to know you as part of the section from your time, both in the section office and then uh, supporting us through the regional model. Tell us a little bit of an update on what you're currently doing in your current role. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in the Colorado section my entire career, uh, which has been great. I started uh, working in the business, gosh, it's in 1999 here in Colorado. So um, it's it's been a minute. Um, had a chance to to lead some op- uh, some golf operations uh, in the kind of northern metro area, and then worked for the section. Um, was on the board, and then I uh, was served as a career consultant, and now I serve as a regional director for the PGA of America. Um, and what that means is uh, I get to lead a team of consultants um, across a six-section area that covers all or part of 14 different states. Um, and our only only job when we wake up in the morning is how can we provide value to PGA members today, right? How can we make their the uh, how can we um, create value with their membership with the PGA of America? Uh, what can we do to make their lives better? Um, you know, for us, a lot of that work happens in the in the space of uh, career consulting, um, you know, talent acquisition, uh, pursuing opportunities, um, operational um, operational guidance uh, and player engagement. Uh, you know, how do you how do you take a, a, 12, a 12 person PGA Junior League and make it a 24 person PGA Junior League and demonstrate even more value to your uh, uh, to your employer, uh, so that you can, you know, increase your your influence and your compensation and and your overall, um, you know, 
your, your overall impact uh, on the people you serve. So um, and, and, and I'm just excited where you'll find out soon, but I uh, just hired a new person on my team to replace Kate Trimble. Um, she accepted today. And so uh, we'll get through all through all the HR rigmarole and uh, get that taken care of. But uh, a really talented uh, new member of our team um, who's going to be out there making sure that everybody who's anybody uh, knows that the golf business is a great business to work in. Um, and that if you um, if you if you want to do anything, you can do it in the golf business. You want to be an accountant? Great. Come be an accountant for the PGA of America. Be an accountant for TaylorMade. Right. That's great. Um, and if you have those three letters behind your name, it just adds um, adds more power to what you're doing within the industry. Um, if you have the game to, to join our association, we want to have you. So uh, she'll be out there spreading that message uh, across our region. It's going to be great. I'm excited to meet her. It'll be fun. I like meeting new faces on on your team and excited to see how she can uh, help our members. So that's great. Um, Keith, what made you decide to become a PGA member? Um, I had no idea I was going to be a PGA member. Um, I had an ROTC scholarship in college. I was supposed to be jumping out of planes um, at this point in my life. Uh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, I, you know, my life took a different turn. Um, I was doing human resources um, at University of Denver in a basement office with a window um, about as big as my, my computer screen here. Um, and it was miserable. Um, and... Uh, it didn't pay well either. And so I was actually closing the golf shop at Broadlands Golf Course um, up in Broomfield and working for Tony Principato and Jay Crawford. And I looked at Tony one day and I said, hey, uh, Pards, you know, I'm really only happy when I'm here. Can you make a living doing this? I didn't know much about PGA professionals at that point. And Tony looked at me and said, you know, I'll, I'll try not to be offended because I am making a living doing this. Um, but he said, you know, if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're committed to being great at whatever you do, you can make a living doing just about anything. Um, I'd always been a decent player. Uh, didn't have a game to play in college, but was always a decent player. So I worked on my game, pursued PGA membership, and realized that I could have the same effect on other people that my dad had on me when he taught me the game of golf. Um, and so that connected with me emotionally and um, found a career that uh, I could throw myself into. And um, it's been a heck of a ride so far. Uh, it's the career that's allowed me to have a family and take care of them and, and do the things we want to do and um, and do it within the context of a, a game where people are generally happy. Um, and, um, you know, the office view is never bad at a golf course. I couldn't agree more for sure. Don, what about you? What made you become want to become a PGA member? Well, Keith doesn't know this, but I had an Air Force ROTC scholarship out of high school myself, and uh, I wanted to be a pilot. I had a hip disease as a kid. I was at Shriners Hospital for crippled children uh, when I was at nine years old, and they wouldn't let me be a pilot. And so then I dropped off, uh, dropped out of the scholarship and, and decided to major in aerospace engineering, believe it or not. But you know how life can take you all over the place. I ended up becoming a professional umpire. So I umpired for nine years, 1,300 baseball games. Actually did the Colorado Sky Sox back in the day, 1995 and 96. I was in AAA uh, when I'd reached AAA. Did a lot of major league spring training games, but just didn't know if I was going to make it to the big leagues. But a great job, Holly, that you can have as an umpire is to be a UPS driver because they need Christmas drivers. During Christmas, it gets crazy. And I got around when I met my wife, Karen, we were married for over 20, almost 25 years this year, actually. Uh, I I was working out here and I delivered to a little nine hole golf course. And there was an old guy working there. He just seemed to be the happiest person I ever saw. And I was like, man, if there was a plan B, if I don't make it to the big leagues, I'd be working at a golf course. It'd be cool. And I approached him. His name was Jim Mooney. 
He's a 50-year member of the PGA of America, I'm pretty sure by now. He's the one who taught Alice Cooper how to play. And I said, how do you get a job in the golf business? And he's like, you got to be a PGA pro. And and he gave me the number because there was no websites back there, back then, Holly. And, and I and I looked it up and, and I saw the PAT schedule. I took my clubs on the road with me. The very first tournament I ever played in my life was the PAT, and I passed it. Because I, I was oblivious to the pressures of the PAT tour, right? I had no, I, I didn't even know. I didn't care. I didn't have a name on my bag. I was just, I was just some guy who thought it'd be cool to be in the golf business. And man, is is, is the man upstairs blessed me ever since. Uh, I started cleaning clubs at the golf course I now own, Augusta Ranch Golf Club out here in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, I've been a member now for like 22, 23 years, I think. Uh, not quarter century yet, but. Uh, I just love the game of golf. Great memories with my with my dad growing up. And then I saw that you could wear, you know, over my left shoulder. I know there's no video, but there's a poster that the PGA used to give out. And it, it would say all the different hats that a PGA member would wear. And I said, man, I love all those things. And I don't want to do any one of those all the time, but I want to do all of them all the time. And that just led me to 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 become a PGA member. And then you know, that, that was I was off to the races at that point. I got involved in governance just because working at a little par 61 in East Mesa, the folks up in Scottsdale don't really talk to you much. So I was like, well, if I get on a committee or I get on the board, they got to talk to me. And that's really how I got into the governance side. And then, you know, worked all those channels until, you know, now I'm the vice president. But it was definitely I love people. I love the game. I love uh, what sits out my window. Like Keith just mentioned, it's just a. Uh, to be a little stressed and to be able to go out there and hit a small bucket of balls to kind of bring the world back into perspective, um, I think is it makes this this the greatest career. And and and, and no doubt I worry about the work life balance for our twenty nine thousand, but I also worry that they're not buying into you know what's the balance of my life's work because that's what I think you get out of being a PGA member is changing lives and and making a difference in your community. I couldn't agree more, and that. That was probably my biggest reason for becoming a member. I was, I had my 10 year anniversary just this last April as being a member and it, it's been great. Like I wanted to give back to a game that gave me so much. I grew up in a teeny tiny town in Illinois that had 1300 people. I graduated as high school with 73 people and my biggest activity that I ever had, that got me out of the house and, and made friends and, um, you know, just being able to do a lot of things through was golf. And there was one PGA professional in the entire uh, three county radius. And he was my coach. And that's I, I came I came to him, I think, when I was like 11 years old. And I said, I'm going to take your job someday. And uh, I don't know how, how much he appreciated that. But uh, when I told him I got into high school and I was going into a PGM program, he's like, you weren't kidding. OK. Well, good luck. Let me know if I could do anything for you. And uh, we, we're still connected to this day. So it's it's been wonderful. I love it. Well, well uh, that's because there wasn't career services back then. We're, we'll work on converting the rest of those facilities to PJ facilities for you. Yes. I I'll give you, you a will, list. Keith. I know you will. I'll give you a list. Um, so, Don, what has been your favorite part of PGA membership? Thus far, I know you've been involved in a lot of different things. You've gone from, like you said, cleaning clubs to being an owner of a facility. What's been your favorite part? The people, I mean, the pros, you know, I think it's, uh, especially now as vice president going around to the 41 sections and visiting them and talking to the pros. Uh, typically when I go to a board meeting, 
they'll have a mem- membership meeting the next day and, and maybe that night they they have their awards dinner so i've been to a lot of awards dinners and i've 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 been able to hear the stories of the best and brightest of the 29k and you know, I think that's the best part, it, it, whether it's the member that I met in the Rocky Mountain section who'd been a member for 65 years. And he said, I've never met a national officer before and and decided to t- tell me everything about his life or now every month. Right. We have a whole bunch of members that have their 25 their quarter century or their half century. And I send an email to every single one of them. And I would say more than half, maybe three quarters of an email me back and none of them. Zero are saying, Don, I don't like this. I don't like this. They all love being a member. And it's really opened my eyes, Holly, that, you know, there's going to be always out there. You can't have 29,000 of anything without some people who just aren't happy sometimes. And that's okay. I'm trying to make them happy. Um, But what's happened of me listening to these 25 and 50 year members who every single one of them just get it and and feel like they've been blessed. Um, That's what it is. It's the people because, hey, nothing against accountants or lawyers or real estate business, whatever. They have their conferences and summits and and everything that they do. But you go to Orlando in January, you go to a local annual meeting in your section or anywhere that you go, golf people are friendly. They love people and they just happen to love the game so much. They want more people to play it so they get involved. But it's absolutely the people, Holly. That's why if you're a PJ member or anybody, right? If you, if like what other sport, you know, I, I tell my wife this all the time. So I can't imagine going to a restaurant and we say table for two and they say, sorry, you're going to have to eat with two other people for the next two hours. And then they put us at a table with two other people. We don't know. And I got to eat dinner with them. I would never do that. But it happens to golf every day, right? You show up as a twosome, you get thrown on another twosome. And by the end of a three and a half, four hour round here at Augusta Ranch, because pace of play is super fast. You uh, you become friends with them, right? So um, it's the people, and, and I just think uh, that's that's truly the wealth of the PG of America is the, its members and and who they are. I couldn't agree more. I've felt welcomed into the PGA pretty much since the day I was elected a member, and I was really really welcomed by my PGM staff, even as an associate or as an apprentice coming into the program in two thousand and eight. So. Really, really great that that's continued to be the case. Um, Keith, what about you? What's your favorite part of being a PGA member? Um, I think it's, um, you know, outside outside of the master's tickets, which God love them. I love that. Um, you know, it's it, the answer is the same, right? It's, it's the people you get to meet, but it's it's the opportunities that PGA membership has provided to me to where I get to meet the people, right? Um, I don't have the jobs that I have if I'm not a PGA member. It, it's just plain and simple, right? And I don't have the friendships that I have if I'm not a PGA member. I have different friendships, right? But not the ones that I have. And what I've gotten to experience as a PGA member is David Clifton being promoted to head professional, Stephen Sullivan getting his first head pro job, um, interviewing you in a Starbucks off of um, off of Colorado Boulevard um, and seeing how much it meant to you to be hired onto the section staff, right? Um, Patrick Salva, Uh, moving on to be an executive director. And and now I get, and that was all where I got to work. And in this role now, which I, again, wouldn't have if I wasn't a PGA member, I had those stories for members in Utah and in the Rocky Mountain section in Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota and and other sections, people who were started in one of those sections and moved to another one. And, I, and we helped them prepare to take on that opportunity and prepare them for the, for the interview process. And then, um, you know, worked both sides of the negotiation table and got them paid what they're worth. Um, the, the opportunity to influence people's lives that the PGA of America has provided me is what I love so much about being a PGA member. 
That's a really great thing to love about your job and about your affiliation for sure. Um, so Keith, you mentioned master's tickets, obviously a perk of being a member. Um, there are many, many more. Let's let's dive, dive into the benefits of being a PGA member, why we should have PGA members at all facilities. You mentioned you know, trying to get a member at every facility that I knew growing up. There were not a lot in the rural community that I grew up in. I didn't know it was a thing until about March of my senior year of high school, so just a few months before graduating and deciding this is what oh. I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, what are the what are the benefits of having a PGA member at a facility? Yeah, you know, I think we look at this from uh, we look at this from an internal standpoint far too often, right? We we look at it and say, well, we all know what a PGA member does, and people should just love that, right? Um, but what our PGA members, by and large, aren't terribly good at is tooting their own horn and articulating their own value and saying what they're great at. Um, one of the things, and I, I can't stand COVID, but I think one of the things that COVID did for us, uh, when other avenues were shut down at the club, um, the golf course was open, right? Restaurant wasn't what it used to be, right? Tent, you know, pool wasn't what it used to be necessarily. You know, uh, uh, you know, the 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 fitness facility wasn't what it used to be. It was it was just a different experience, right? But golf was there, and I think owners and operators and boards and you know they all start and municipalities start to realize, you know what, that golf course and the people who are in charge of it are the primary um, amenity on this 150 acres, and don't you want somebody who knows how to operate that better than anybody else taking care of your primary amenity, right? PGA members do it better than anybody else when it comes to that, right? The education, um, you know, the starting education to do that is second to none. The continuing education to do that is second to none. Um, and so you know, that's the benefit of, of having somebody who, who knows and loves the game um, from both a playing and a business standpoint, um, taking care of your of your biggest asset, right? Um, you know, and obviously, hand in hand with the golf course superintendents, right? I can't sell a dead golf course, um, but you put those two people together with the GCSA superintendent and a PGA professional, um, you can keep a golf course afloat in a pandemic, right? Um, that's and imagine what you can do uh, when when all the all the stars align. But you got to have those people in place first. Don, anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, I think anybody who wants to be a golf professional should get involved in the PGA just because we are the best. We set the standard. And I would say the PGA of America sets that standard globally. I mean, I've talked to the global PGAs. We're going to meet with a couple of them or all of them, actually, you know, at Royal Liverpool here in a couple of weeks. And um, our education is second to none. I think, you know, what I like, too, is if you're a PGA member, there's a code of ethic, Holly. You have to act appropriately. I can't lie in a contractual negotiation because the code of ethics stands behind me, meaning that I'm I'm not only a, a really good businessman, I'm a really good person, and you can trust me. My credibility is high. I think the deferred compensation that we've created is going to amass some wealth for our younger golf professionals. It might miss me a little bit, but for just growing the game and doing your job, we're going to put money in your bank account. And, and by the time you've got 20, 30 years in, you're going to have six digits in that pot, mid six digits, in my opinion. I think PJ.coach, these profiles now on PJ.com. I mean, we're leveraging the marketing engine of the PJ of America down to the individual PJ member. And 
And those leads equal well over $500 when you get a new student off pj.coach. And, and you see those ads, you know, during all of our championships. I think the tournaments you get to play in when you're part of a section, the fraternal uh, and the collegial events that you have, you know, uh, just bringing the members together, the social events, I think is great. You just get around other people who love what you love. And that just makes you feel better, right? I mean, it's like going to church. It's, it's just, it's good to be around people who, who love what you love. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I think that the PGA of America, you know, we're leaders when it comes to back to golf, back to golf. Uh, Keith mentioned COVID terrible situation. The PGA jumped on there. The the golf course owners, everybody was working together. PGA kind of had the street cred enough to get an office with or get a meeting with the office of the White House and say, hey, this is how we think golf should not be closed. We believe we invented social distancing. You know, we know that this this is good for physical health. We know it's 10,000 steps and 2,000 calories. But how about mental health? How about getting veterans out of the house? And so, all the things that we do, it's it's absolutely going to the masters because the masters, they recognize what an integral part we are to the industry in and of itself. We are the farmers. And at the end of the day, if you hire a PJ member, you automatically make it easier to bring all that food farm to table because we are good planners. And, I, and that's my biggest worry, you know, when I talk to Keith and our recruitment specialists is sometimes they look at us PJ professionals as an expense on the P&L. And we are not. We are cost of goods sold. When you invest into a PJ member, we make you keystone. We give you double what you invest in me. Actually, I would argue I give you five to ten times what you invest in me. Just don't stick me behind the counter. Get me on the first tee. Get me on the practice tee. Get me on the putting green. Get me playing with people so they can enjoy the game. You don't really get too much shot euphoria out of driving range. You do a little bit. But when you're out there playing with your buddies and you make that putt, and 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 you hit that shot. And if a PJ coach is there watching you and, and coaching you up through that process, that creates loyalty, which is sustainability for every golf course out there. So, you know, whether you're a pro just wants to get better, be a PJ member. And whether your golf course owner doesn't have a PJ member, you can't afford not to have one. You can't. It's costing you money because you don't have a PJ golf professional uh, building relationships at your facility because we are the experts in the game. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think there's, there's definitely an extra whole other level of credibility that comes to somebody who works in the industry or is affiliated with the sport at all and has PGA behind their name. You just, you feel it. You mentioned walking down um, at the PGA show in January and it's like, you just kind of walk in there and it, it feels different. You're just around so many other people that are, you know, like-minded or not, they're just so professional and so open and, just ready and willing to grow the game for their, their customers and the rest of the world. I think it's a really cool experience. Yeah. It's like old home week at, uh, at, uh, the, the PGA show, you know, and look, this, this probably sounds a lot like a PGA commercial. Cause you got the vice president and you got a, you know, a director from the PGA um, <laughs> on here and look, are we perfect? Heavens? No, we've got a long way to go. Um, but I think the, the value of what the PGA brings here is that, we recognize that we're not perfect. We recognize that there's opportunity out there for us to get better and to be more valuable to both our own members, uh, be valuable to our employers. Um, and that's why, you know, the PJ continues and, and with with information from the Greengrass level uh, to 
to bring up products like a PGA Junior League? How do you how do you accelerate junior golf? Well, you you, you create a team environment around it, and you have PGA Junior League, and that's valuable to the to the facility, right? Um, how do you you know the partnerships that the PGA of America brings to the table, whether it be Pepsi or uh, Jana King or whatever it may be, that can be leveraged at the facility level? Um, those are good, but we're not done yet. And, we, and we're not resting on our laurels. There's option, There's opportunities for growth across the board. Um, I think we're pretty good, but I think we got a, a lot of room to grow. And what I like about and what I've learned, you know, stepping behind the curtain, uh, coming to work for the association is that there's a lot of really, really good people um, who wake up every single day saying, okay, how can we make the industry better? How can we make our members' lives better? Uh, what can we bring to the table? That that what levers can we pull on behalf of our members so that they're even more valuable in the field? So um, we're not done yet. I like that. If we if we as PGA members or the PGA of America were perfect, we wouldn't have things like continued education. We wouldn't have career services. We wouldn't have all of these other things to make the individuals who are already elected to membership are on their way even better, right? If we were all completely perfect and once you got those three letters in your, your elected letter, you were absolutely done for the rest of your life. We wouldn't have, I would argue two thirds of what the association actually is, is to better them and for the betterment of the game and everybody who's involved. Yeah, and I think that's the mentality of a, a golfer anyways, right? Whether it's the game or it's the business, you know that you're never going to get it perfect. and <laughs> You just keep practicing. And we all know we want to leave it better than we found it. And I think those two qualities, um, if you like being around that kind of stuff, you'll, you'll want to be around the PGA. But uh, even for those who aren't PGA members, the golf coaches who aren't PGA, we're there to help them. I mean, we really are. We're, we're the first responders of this game. And we're ready and willing to go anywhere and anywhere to help anywhere and everywhere to help out a PE teacher or a high school golf coach or a college golf coach, anybody who's maybe it's a club softball team coach who knows that those players shouldn't play softball year round and wants to get them into a program. If they reach out to one of us, we'll build a program around their practices to, to help them become more well-rounded athletes, right? It's just, that's what we do. Yeah. And I think we're invested in the whole industry, right? We've got yeah. on the career services team, we've got 26 consultants out there, a handful of regional directors. We've got player engagement, 12 or 13 player engagement consultants and seven recruiting consultants out there. And we don't just serve our own, right? I, mean, I think that's really, really important. If you're in the golf industry and you want to be better, pick up the phone and call a PGA career consultant. Just because I, I work for the PGA, just because I got PGA in my, in my title and at the end of my name. I, I can't tell you how many people I work with, you know, who are LPGA members, um, who are uh, Don. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up here, but the um, the professional, the the G, the golf professional um, association, where this is primarily teaching professionals. I work with them too. Yeah. Um, there, there's one working down there at Green Valley Ranch in in in, um, um, in Colorado, and he, uh, Keith's a great guy down there, and I'm happy to help. Right, our job is is really to raise all boats, right? And then, honestly, I had those conversations. People see the value of, of what they uh, of what the PGA of America brings, and it's it's never a surprise to me when one of those people who's not a PGA member or isn't affiliated with the PGA um, says to me, hey, so what is the process of being part of the association? Uh, John Janowski is a, a golf course owner at Pagosa Springs Golf Course um, in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, 27-hole facility, awesome spot. Um, he's an owner, right? He's late in his career. He's pursuing PGA membership 
as of as of a couple of weeks ago because I've been helping him. He's had a change. He's got a head professional position open. I've been helping him. He said, you know, this is really good, and I want to be part of this. I want to – I'm just like, I'm not going to play in events, but I want to plug into the network. So, and we're happy to have him. I love that. So you don't have to be a PGA member to utilize the career services or the regional team, correct? Absolutely not. Uh, you you can be anyone in the industry. Heck, I've you can be outside of industry. I've I've helped write resumes for members' wives. Right? Um, <laughs> you need help. I'm here to help. That's just that's just what we do. So. <laughs> Well, that's great to know. Um, let's dive into that a little bit. What kind of services does the career services team provide and who can utilize those? So, um, you know, from a regional standpoint, you know, we talked about, you know, this career consulting, um, you know, from an individual standpoint, um, we work with individuals um, on, you know, helping map out their career um, wherever they are in their uh, their journey, whether they're just getting started, they're mid-career, they're trying to figure out a way to retire gracefully. Um, we can help you with that. We can have that conversation. Um, we can help and prep you for contract negotiations, um, help you figure out how to articulate your value like we talked about. And so that, you know, the best conversation you can have in those, in those, um, this negotiation is, look, you know, I'm not asking for in, for anything that I'm not helping create. I just want to I want to participate in the growth that I'm helping create around this place. Um, you know, we sometimes we will put the um, you know put the the employer in a position where it's like, look, you know, what do you think about this place? Are are we a top are we a top ten facility? Um, well, you know, when we collect the compensation data um, from our members, which is critically important, we will identify, well, you know, this is what I'm making. We're not paying in the top 10% of, um, of your peer group. So, you know, how do, we, how do we close that gap, right? So we can help you have those conversations, which is really great. Um, and then we really have those conversations directly with the employer when we participate in, you know, our executive search and our paid search um, arenas, right? We, um, uh, employers will come to us like, you know, John Janowski's coming to me saying, hey, I've, I've got a, a head professional position open. He and I are having an active discussion about what is that position, what should that position pay? What should the benefits look like that position? Um, and the data from the compensation survey helps inform me to inform John of exactly, you know, what's going to be competitive, what's going to be fair, um, and what's appropriate for the value that he's going to uh, receive from employing a PGA professional. So all those things are available to employers, they're available to, to members. Um, I've got a player engagement consultant that works with me, Mike Aldrich, um, and he's he's outstanding. He'll, you know, he was he was recently at uh, Greengrass. He took a facility that was doing eight thousand dollars a year in lessons. Um, when he left, they were doing one hundred and eight thousand dollars a year in lessons. Right. Um, the he knew how to tap into that market. He knew how to tap into um, the the demand that was there uh, for the services of a PGA professional dedicated to growing the game. Um, and, you know, and that was at, you know, it was at a facility, I believe it was a, a club corpus, so I guess invited now. Um, and so they, they've got this captured audience that just wants, they want to engage with somebody who loves the game as much as they do. Um, so we can help put you in those situations. Fantastic. And I love that our, our career services teams and our regional directors are able to help anybody and everybody that's able and looking for help. So that's really good. Well, to change gears a little bit, I know there's been quite a bit of news surrounding golf in the previous several weeks um, with the whole PIF PGA Tour news. And, you know, I know us at the section office have had, I'd say several, um, whether it's been social media comments or messages, phone calls, emails, you know, from people that are upset about what happened with that deal. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about the difference between golf professional, which the three of us are with PGA professional behind our name and, and, you know, our affiliation with the association and professional golfer, those who get paid to play those that you see on TV and various different tours. Um, Let's kind of dive into a little bit of the difference. Don, I'd love to hear your take on some of that. Yeah, right. I mean, isn't it a shame that everybody wants to talk about the guys who play for millions when we are the men and women who get millions to play? You know, and and, and that's that's been the painful thing since June 6th, right? When I found out that morning, I mean, the PG of America was just as surprised as anybody. I don't think we were pleased and relieved, but we were definitely surprised about um, what it what had happened and what had transpired. We didn't know anything about it. And, and the board and us officers of the PGA of America got to work of, of diving in and find out what's what would the impact be to the PGA of America. But, you know, that is the hardest thing is I've, I saw Lester Holt, you know, on NBC News, put the PGA of America logo next to his face talking about the live thing. And NBC is one of our partners, right? And we called him and said, hey, you know, let's get it straight. It's the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour and Jay Monahan, that is a completely separate company. Uh, are do we are we friends with them? Absolutely, because this is the ecosystem of golf and we have all of our allied associations. We just want high tides to raise all boats, just like Keith just said. So that is that's the biggest thing that we're gonna probably face, I would say, all the way through my presidency, through the rest of my vice presidency and presidency, is a active campaign to educate everybody. I mean, remember, only 9% of the population plays golf. And of that 9%, probably more than half of them have no idea there's a difference between the tour and the PG of America. So first, we've got to get our own house in order and educate all the golfers the difference between the PGA Tour and the PGA of America. And not what's saying what we aren't, but what we are. And we do raise more money for charity than all the other sports combined. And that includes the tour. We we do that with the gift certificates that we sign at every one of our facilities when we help out the little girl, you know, who's raising money for her her school or or the, the family is trying to raise money for a loved one who's passing away. That's what PJ members do. We sign those certificates. We host those events. We, we, be, we become embedded in the communities. We don't just show up for one week out of the 52 and raise some money for charity. We're there every day, 365 and 24 hours a day at our facilities, growing the game and, and bringing families together and, and doing what's right. I mean, PGA Hope, I'm so excited about that program. And I know the PGA Tour has got a veterans program. Nothing against that. But if I can, Holly, it's just with PGA Hope, it really shows who the PJ of America is because PJ tour, I think they do birdies for the brave and that's great. I, I think birdies for the great, great trade charity. What's PJ hope helping our Patriots everywhere. This is us going to the VA and say, how can we help? And then them endorsing our program, giving us the MOU that says your program is rehabilitative. It's not getting some veterans out to play golf. So they feel better about themselves. This is getting veterans out of the house onto a golf course so they can become citizens again, so they can be a better husband, a father again. They can be a better friend again. And that's what PGA members are doing with Hope. Every program that we do, none of it helps the PGA professional other than makes their heart full because they just changed a life and they maybe saved one with PGA Hope. So that's the difference. We are the 29,000 men and women that get millions to play the game of golf. And we're not in it for the money. We're just in it for making an impact. And if you do it, and if that's the order, you will make plenty of money in this business. There's no doubt about it. Keith, anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I just and Don touched on something that I think is really important that, you know, both for anyone who's listening to this, to this podcast, you know, you, there's something you need to start tracking. We, I, I, I operated on the on the public side of golf, right? So we had we toasted a ton of benefit tournaments, right? I never tracked how much they were raising, right? Um, I had a golf professional in Utah um, who was having look. If nine percent of people play golf, if you're in public golf, there's a chance that that none of those people on your city council play golf, right? There's a really good chance, and they don't understand what you do, and they don't understand why um, there's resources allocated to this to this thing that only nine percent of people care about. Right. Uh, we worked together. Golf professionals started tracking. Here, you know, we raised. We were we were the environment in which this much money was raised for this charity that is in this community. This much money was raised for this person who lived in this community. And over the course of you know a year, just we just did a year, 365 days, he was able to walk in front of the city council and say, "I run the the environment, the facility at which X number, hundreds of thousands of dollars were raised for this community." I need the resources to make this place great. And that's, you know, equipment, that's water, that's labor dollars. I need the resources to make this place great so we can continue helping raise money for this community. Eyes open wide, right? Um, on, and now it's, what do you need? How can we help more, right? To create more of this goodwill. Um, and so when we talk about the PJ, what we are is we're charitable. Uh, we're charitable at our heart, and it's not only the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do for your career. It's the talking point that helps you justify the things that you need to run your operation, um, and that's, again, that's across that's resources, um, that's that's water, that's labor dollars, that's, you know, physical improvements to the plant. All those things um, are tied into that, and that's the story that we need to tell and, and need to tell very, very well. I couldn't agree more with that. I think... I can't remember what the figure is. It's somewhere in the billions of dollars that are raised through golf for charity on a yearly basis. That is not just the PGA Tour. To Don's point, yes, they do a huge part of that. But PGA professionals, boots on the ground at golf courses, hosting those events, talking with people, being able to be that representative in their community, they're the ones I think that really you know, make that number an astounding number. And Keith, to your point, being able to track that, I think is huge. I've at my time with green grass, I was part of running a lot of those Monday outings and hosting those kind of groups that, you know, they come in, raise a whole bunch of money for their particular charity. And I, to my knowledge, I don't think any of the facilities I worked at tracked. I could be wrong on that, but I was never, I never knew what those numbers were. It would be kind of a cool thing to be able to look back and say, even at my short time in green grass, I was part of raising X amount of dollars for charity and community service organizations and things. But um, that makes a huge impact. And I think that's really a really great thing that PGA members can brag to the, brag about a little bit. You know, yeah, we're not, we're not hosting cornhole tournaments and, and horseshoe tournaments to try and raise those kind of dollars to support our communities, right? It's there's one place that everybody goes to when they know they can get the most bang for their buck and have the most impact, and it's the golf course. Absolutely. Um, so to switch it up a little bit, Don, what are you currently working on? What are you most excited about, and uh, what do you have going on at your facility? 
Well, you know, Augusta Ranch, the course I'm at, it's a little par 61 facility. we got an amazing team during the winter. It's all winter visitors. During the summer, we just focus on families. Uh, but one of the things, you know, as Keith was talking, I just couldn't help but think about, you know, that whole thermometer thermostat thing, right? Are you a thermometer or you're a thermostat? When a golf professional is working the counter, he's really a thermometer. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, he's ringing in people. But if you get them outside, growing the game, then they can change that facility. They can be a thermostat. They can, you know, bring some bring some activity to the facility. And one of the things we looked at here is, you know, how do you become your own funnel? I mean, everybody's busy now, but I think everybody knows that some of the rounds are going to go away a little bit as, as some of these big corporations expect people to be inside, you know, the building and they can't work, you know, from home as much as they used to. And and we really, you know, you can't help but look at Top Golf. And see how many people play top golf and don't even think they're playing golf. It's like the greatest Trojan horse. It's like the greatest. It's the greatest gateway drug to golf is is top golf because they don't even know they're playing it. And now top tracer, you know, something you can bring to the facility so they can smell real grass. They they can see a real putting green and go, wow, I didn't know that grass could be cut that low, right? I mean, I think sometimes in the golf industry we forget what it's like to see a green for the first time and and be amazed at how low that grass can be cut and go. Maybe they do play Wimbledon on real grass. I didn't think they did, right? Because how do you get grass that firm? But top tracer is top golf at a golf course. And and we put in 21 bays here, my partner and I, and and you know, it's been open now for about seven months. We've had over two million golf balls hit on our driving range. And you know what I see is none of them are doing it by themselves. They're, 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 they're bringing their friends in, they're bringing their girlfriends in, they're bringing their family in, they're bringing their grandkids in, they're bringing their grandparents in and they're hitting balls together and they're sitting out there having something to eat. And it's, and it's been amazing. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a golf course owner, you know, and I'm an employer. I'm someone who wants to use Keith to get the best and the brightest. And I know I get what I pay for. Um, but then also as a PGA golf professional, I know how valuable one can be to a facility who thinks about bringing people together. And golf just happens to be that conduit, right, that, that we have. But top tracer, I'm telling you right now, there's more golf being played off golf courses than on it. And some say, well, is that a threat to the golf course? Heck no. It's the greatest opportunity we've ever had in the golf industry because people are kicking the tires on our sport. And I'll tell you what, if you get them into the parking lot and I get them in top trace, or I get them on the putting green and I get a PJ professional hovering around them, they will become a golfer because it ain't if it's going to be when. And all I got to do is get them about 30 feet south and they're on my first tee. So, you know, to me, that that's that's what I'm excited about every day, even though I'm vice president, I'm traveling on, it's all crazy. But coming back here to the Greengrass facility, seeing what Top Tracer is doing and how it's literally become the largest funnel we've ever created here. Um, and, and, and I'm so excited to see how the PGA professionals here at Augusta Ranch are going to leverage that into rounds of golf, which means people spending more time together. That sounds amazing. That's I didn't honestly know that that was a thing um, to be able to have at facilities. And I've had that conversation before with other PGA members. You know, your first reaction to Top Golf coming into the community is, "Oh my gosh, is this going to take my customers? Is this going to be a you know, am I going to see a dip in revenue?" Absolutely not. Get them hooked into what they think is an arcade game, and then eventually they're going to go, "Huh." I scored pretty good at Top Golf. I wonder if I could actually go out and hit real golf balls. Yeah. I... The price difference is a little. Because <laughs> you can go hit a bucket of balls for a fraction of what it costs to go 
go to Top Golf. So I tell you what, when they, they were putting that, yeah, when they were putting that Top Golf up here on on north side of Denver, uh, where I am, it's it's five minutes from my house. Thorn Creek Golf Course is up here. Um, Colorado National Golf Course is up uh, National Golf Club and and Heritage Todd Creek were up here, and you have some really savvy operators there. Uh, when I asked them, I said, you know, does that concern you at all? Oh, they said, hell no. Absolutely not. They're going to bring 100,000 people who are interested in the game of golf within five miles of my facility. If I can't capture some of those people, I shouldn't be doing this job. Amen. I love it. Good stuff. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being a part of our Elevation podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. Always a pleasure. 